one quote specifically that I literally say probably 10 times a day is, it's positive anything is better than negative nothing. And that's Albert Hubbard who said that many, many years ago, but that's literally a basis of what we believe in is whatever you're looking to do, improve or and change, is if you do it with a positive mindset, you're gonna be so much more likely to accomplish it. Now, it doesn't mean that all you have to do is have a positive mindset and you'll accomplish it, but I don't care what you're doing, I don't care what you're facing, I don't care what obstacle hits you, if you approach it from a positive perspective as opposed to a negative perspective, you have such a higher chance of accomplishing whatever it is. That's Chris Worth, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Day doers, what's going on? Here for another episode of the Do A Day podcast, this time with Chris Worth. Chris is the founder and president of No Quit Living. How awesome is that title, right? Uh, NQL is a speaking, coaching, and training company that focuses on things like accountability, goal setting, time maximization, networking, leadership, sales, personal development, mentoring, kind of all the stuff that we focus on in this show too. Um, he's, uh, he's a really driven guy who has built up quite a following through not just No Quit Living the business, but also this podcast that he runs called No Quit Living which is in the top 50 of business podcasts on iTunes. And he's built that um, with some pretty amazing guests on his end. Yes, I was a guest on his show too, but he's gotten some, some seriously big names. And, uh, and he follows the same methodology I do. Is like, you might as well ask if you're not talking to him now because you have nothing to lose. So I definitely appreciate that. Chris has been a coach in sports as well as business, and he coached um, in, in basketball at the collegiate level and the high school level, and he lives in Connecticut with his three kids, and in addition to building out No Quit Living, you can also, if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see he's a pretty uh, beast mode kind of guy. He's definitely heavy into playing sports and traveling and reading and working out. It's, uh, it's pretty good stuff to see him. Like You watch him struggle. You watch him push. That's pretty inspirational, too. So I'm psyched to have Chris on the show, and with that, we'll get right into it. Hey, Chris Worth, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it, man. The honor is all mine. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's uh, not often that I get to have someone on who I've been on their show, and it's this back-to-back, but we're releasing pretty separately. But, uh, you know, you and I just did this, what, like less than a week ago or about a week ago from recording yeah, less, this one? Yeah, less than that, actually. Yeah, and... Um, no, there was just a definite click. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta get get the mic turned around and get you on this show because you've got a story too, and you've done a ton in terms of getting that out and getting to inspire people. And I love that with your whole no quit living show and the work that you're doing there. No, I appreciate, it, man. We're uh, we've been working hard on it. I think we got some great people behind us that's really helped the process. Cool. Um, so. What is this whole no quit living thing that you got going on right now? And then I want to dig into the backstory, but what is it that you're up to these days? So a couple of things. Uh, first off, we, as you mentioned, have our podcast, which we've been really, really fortunate to be ranked in a couple of categories, uh, top 50 on iTunes, which is just so awesome. And, and I owe that to so many people, including Wes Yee, who I know you know, he's my editor and my podcast partner. But the other thing is just amazing guests. And we do a lot of coaching, training, and we also have gone into the motivational, inspirational speaking, I guess, circuit, if you call it. And we've been really fortunate to have quite a few paid speaking gigs. And then we have 
you know, just the whole thing behind us is really just being that place, that company, that entity, that show where people can come to to be inspired, to be inspired, to never give up on themselves or goals and their dreams. And I think what I love most about what No Quit Living really stands for is whether you're in business, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a parent, teacher, whatever it is, everybody has had some no quit story or everybody has had face adversity. And many people have faced multiple different levels of adversity. And the whole thing about our show is just don't give up on yourself, your goals or your dreams. And it's just a really cool motto. I think that just resonates with so many different people in all walks of life. And more importantly, all different ages, I think as well. Yeah. I, I love that phrase that never give up on yourself. Cause I feel like so many of us do that and maybe without even realizing it, we're just sort of, you know, blindly going through the motions without realizing like, you know, what are you doing with your life? You've sort of given up, you know, maybe that sounds like too strong of a word, but the reality is if you're not going after what you really care about and if your life doesn't align to what matters to you, that's a form of giving up. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think what, what you said early on is, is going through the motions. I think so many of our clients, when we dig deep, we realized that they didn't even know that in life they had been going through the motions, whether it's the same nine to five job or whether it's that relationship that's not going anywhere or they've been really thinking about launching that business, but it's just, nope, I'll just do the same job and I'll do the same thing. And I think what happens is life is tough and life hits you at all different directions. And obviously you, you can attest to that as well. And, and the, the challenge and the question to ask yourself, is this what I really want to do? Is this all I want to do? And if the answer is no, then you need to make a tough decision and say, okay, you know what? I got to really get out of my, my norm and I got to stop going through the motions if I want to achieve whatever that goal or objective is. Yeah. Well, you know, it, you say like most people are going through the motions and they don't even realize it. I think that's part of the, the illness, if you want to call it that, is like you don't even have the presence of mind to realize that you don't have the presence of mind. But then there's these moments that force it upon us or things that bring us into a place where at least we're willing to look at it. And I know you talk a lot about your no quit moment you asked me about mine and your show, what, what's your no quit moment? Like what was the wake up for you? What was your whole, you know, your journey into doing what you're doing now? You know, it's interesting. I, <clears throat> I don't have a no quit moment into why I was doing, but ironically I had a no quit moment after the fact. And I think that's the interesting part. And it happened to me this past January and early February where I realized that I had the wrong people on my bus and in my corner. And it's really difficult to to make and come to that decision. But I have to say that there was a certain point where I got to and a lot of good friends, a lot of good people in my corner. Um, I met some people and I met somebody pretty interesting that that changed my life in the sense of really making me think about who was in my corner and who was really on my bus. And what I had to come to a realization, I had to make a tough decision is to get the right people onto my bus. I had to remove the wrong people from my bus. and. I, I have to say it, it was really difficult. Some some I won't go into the specifics of who the people are because um, it's not fair in, in some of those ways. But what I realized is that as soon as I got those people off my bus and I got the right people on, my business literally just took a trajectory that was completely uphill in a positive way. And it's impossible not to say that it's tied to getting those people off off of my bus. And it's not that they were were criminals or, or horrible people in any way, shape or form. But I realized is they were not really in my corner and they didn't truly have my back. And what happened is I'd spent so much time, money and effort being there for them. And whenever the time for reciprocity and for me to be able to say, hey, I need you in my corner. or Hey, I have this big event coming up or hey, you think you could support me? I realized that for so long, those people weren't 
reciprocating. And I just blindly continued to work hard, go down the same path and, and bust my butt to get to the level that I want to get to. And, and not only for myself, but for, for my kids and, and for my future. And I, I really had to have those tough conversations where you said, you know what, it's, it's, it's not working. And, you know, we need to make a change. And like I said, what I realized was that, and, and I've been speaking about this a lot for the last couple of months is you can't get the right people on your bus with the wrong people there. You can't just add those three or four people onto the bus with already being full with some of those people that don't fit your model. You need to get those people off first or else it's going to be negativity. What we call is the positivity vampires. And like I said, is, is my business and my personal life has literally just, just taken off and it's, it's really difficult. But I realized I made the right decision, not only for me now today, but moving forward. And I've also seen a drastic positive impact it's had on my clients and my potential clients as well. Well, I mean, that's a really interesting topic because, you know, if, if anyone's been the wrong person on the bus, there's usually a lot of negative feelings about the process of being taken off the bus. And what, what we come to learn is not everyone's a fit for everyone. Not everyone's a fit for every situation. It doesn't mean that the players are all bad people or incapable of success or, or whatever. I mean, it's probably negative for them as well, whether they realize it or not. And so going through that painful process of being removed or, or, you know, no longer being a part of that particular journey, you, you may be more likely to find your own path. I mean, I've talked to a number of people who are in really bad work situations and, you know, they hate the company, the company hates them. You know, it's, it's, it's reciprocal in that respect, but neither of them is, uh, is, is making the change. And you see it with personal relationships too, you know, like everyone knows someone who's in a bad relationship and they're both, you know, both of the, the parties are sort of toxic for each other, but they don't stop. And it's like, you can't, that's a really obvious example where, you know, if, if you're in a monogamous relationship and it's not working, you can't have someone else in the monogamous relationship or it is no longer a monogamous relationship. Like you have to get the person off the bus if you want the right person to come on. It's just a question of that fit. You know, not everyone is a fit for everyone and that's okay. You know, I'm glad you touched on that because that's something that I've spoken about a little bit in the last month or so is it, it's 100% okay. And what happens is those relationships, whether they're personal, romantic, business, professional, it's difficult to, to say to each other or to the company or to your partner, you know, we need to take a different route or, you know what, we need to really sever this relationship. And what happens to your point way back is, is you go through the motions and it's really difficult. But the tough times, if you do it for the right reasons, the tough times, you'll be able to look back and say, you know what, this was the best thing for me, for my company, for this other company and for the other person as well. And I think that's yeah. the tough part that you don't look down the road. You know, you always look right now and saying this is going to be difficult and be tough. And I think a lot of times it's the paralysis by analysis where people overanalyze, they overthink and they say, you know what, well, it's probably easier to to stay here. And, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people stay, quote unquote, here not for the right reasons. Yeah. And, and we do this analysis around the pain of letting the person go, you know, then I'm going to have to find someone who can do this, or then I'm going to have to step in and do that. And I don't have the time, you know, we do all this math around the loss because the benefit is intangible. You know, the loss you can look at, you can see what the person's not doing or, or what they, sorry, what they are doing that you'd lose if they were gone, but you don't look at the value of, you know, are they dragging the rest of the team down? Are they, you know, the, you talk about like a positivity vampire, what is their negative effect 
And it's oftentimes when we let some of these people who are too painful to let go, when we actually let them go, then the truth comes out, then the difficulty becomes more apparent. And it's like, wow, I wish I had done that sooner. And you find out often they're in a better place down the road. You know, maybe they go through a rough journey to get there, but eventually it tends to work out better for them. No, I, I couldn't agree more with that. So that, that's a pretty recent thing. What, what were you doing before No Quit Living? Like what, what's the backstory here? Well, I've been doing No Quit for, for a while. It was just ironic how, how this came about in, in January. But I launched No Quit Living actually in 2016 as a coaching, speaking, and training business. And it wasn't until April of 2017 where we launched our podcast. So it, it's been interesting how things come. And, and one of the things I talk about often is people come into your life for different reasons. And Bob Berg, who's a best-selling author, a very good friend, and I'm extremely lucky to say a very influential mentor of mine, he shared something on actually my first ever podcast with, with him and for the show. And he said something interesting. He said, you know, mentors come into your life and sometimes they only play a very short role. It could be an hour, a week, a conversation. And they're also the mentors that could be in your in your life for your entire life or your entire business or professional career. And I've been very fortunate over the last two years to meet those different people. And the number one objective of No Quit Living back when we started is I found that there was so much negativity out there, whether it was in social media or traditional TV or newspaper or just in general, people were always focusing on the negativity. And Zig Ziglar, who I've, I was fortunate to have quite a few conversations before he wow. passed, um, his son Tom was was a guest on my show. And, and he said something, or Zig said something in the past that was kind of funny before he passed. He said, in the morning, I do two things. I read the Bible, and then I read the newspaper, so I know what both shows are doing. And it was humorous, <laughs> and he, he said it in, in a funny way. But if you ever look at a 30-minute news show, it's always negativity, fires, murders, fighting, this president's terrible, that person's terrible, this country's horrible. And then it's like the last 30 seconds, it's, oh, and a great story today. And we, we ran out of time. We'll do it tomorrow. And I just, I just found that in my personal life, I have three young kids. I said, you know what? I said, I want to kind of flip the switch and I want to see if we can focus on the good. And literally over the last two years, as I mentioned back to my reference to Bob Berg is I've been so fortunate to meet some amazing people that I've connected with that have said, hey, try this, or hey, you should talk to this person. And all of a sudden I realized is that we were catching on to it because people love the whole idea of positivity. People love the idea of motivating, inspiring. And I think that as a country, we're just really sick of the negativity that's out there, but we don't know how to change it. So that was literally the MO from 2016 through now is we wanna be that place where people come to and they say, you know what? I know that no matter what's going on in the market or what's going on with politics or the sports world, we can come to this group and this company and this entity, and they're going to have good stuff out there and they're going to motivate and inspire us. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, I try not to get political um, in general and it has nothing to do with what, you know, what side of the aisle I might identify with or not, or whether I stand in between or I don't even want to go in the building that the aisle's in, which is probably more accurate at this point. Um, but I was noticing. Uh, just reading the news or listening to the news the other day on, uh, on my Amazon echo, every quote that they had from some politician about, you know, the terribleness that they're angry about is not just stating like, you know, this is the problem. It's, this is the problem. And it's those people's fault. Every, every single comment that whether it's everything that's being said or everything that the news is sharing has to lay blame to try to spark more hatred towards each other. 
And it just struck me as like, why does this have to be the way that we engage, that we inform each other is we can't just say what's going on. We have to say what's going on and then blame someone for it. You know, it's, it's interesting. I will not talk about politics or religion on my show or in public just because to your point, it's not what aisle I sit on or don't sit on. It just, unfortunately, it could start World War III. But one of the yeah. things I've actually spoken about quite often is I'm 39 years old, so I haven't been around for a ton of elections, but I've been around for my fair share. And what I've found is interesting is literally from eighth grade until now, I've seen a huge shift where instead of being for a candidate or a party and for their ideas or for their beliefs, it's you are against this person first and foremost. Yeah. This person this person is bad, terrible, horrific, and my person is is perfect. And I think that's a problem in our country and other countries throughout the world, I believe, look at us and laugh because obviously every other country is not perfect. But I think what we need to do to correct and change this is instead of being against somebody or instead of being anti this party is why don't you be for somebody and why don't you be for an idea or a concept? And I think if we start doing that as a country, we're going to see positive connections with the person or the party that we like, as opposed to you said, hatred against somebody else and yeah. hatred against another party. Yeah, I, I would take it one step further and say, I haven't even seen, at least in, in the most recent electoral cycle, uh, the ads where it's, you know, this person's terrible and my candidate's good. It's this person's terrible and my candidate's not that person or vote, you know, vote for this person instead, not even going through the merits it's just, it's the demerits of the opposition. And that is, yeah, we're, we're the same age. And I remember that progression and it got a lot of attention, especially in the Northeast. There's a couple of really nasty campaigns for Massachusetts Senate and then for New Hampshire as well. Um, I have these names that, you know, they're, they're not politicians that I knew, but I have their names ingrained in my head just from all of the smear campaigns that were going on just constantly like, you know, one after the other. And I don't hear their names in my head just plainly or monotonously. They're all with this nasty spin because that's how I'm used to hearing their their names. You know, it's like Jean Shaheen is one who stands out to me from the ads. I forget who was running against her, but the ads were like, Jean Shaheen is like drawn out in this negativity. So I don't, I don't ever think of her name without that nastiness on it. And I don't know the first thing about her. I don't remember who won or anything. I just rem remember the negativity in that campaign. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that is, is there's a quote by, um, by Buddha is never in this world can hatred be styled by hatred. It will be stifled by non-hatred. That is the law eternal. And it, you know, it's an interesting quote, but it, it's just, you know, it's way deeper than the way I speak typically, but it makes you just think, and it makes me think that nothing positive was ever solved through hatred. Yeah. You know, it's it's all through positive actions and saying, you know what, I don't agree with you on this. This is what I feel. But let's try to come to a solution that maybe we both meet halfway. And, and I just, you know, I, again, I, my three kids are nine, seven and five. And I'm just I hope and I'm an extremely positive person. But I hope as a country we can kind of be that take that shift where we say, OK, let's take the hate and move it away. It doesn't mean that you have to love everybody. And it doesn't mean if you're a Democrat, you have to love all the Republicans and you say, OK, I love everybody. But what, it, what it, you should do is, OK, you know what? I don't love this person, but you know what? I don't hate that person. How about I'm somewhere in the middle? And I just think if, if we don't, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think t in today's day and age in 2018, unfortunately, I think people look at things as all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Well, for two guys who won't talk about politics, 
we certainly went down that road quite a bit, but, <laughs> but it's, I mean, the, the thing is in, in the U S right now, certainly it's, it's pretty hard not to get into that conversation, especially if you want to talk about positivity, cause there's just, there is so much negativity and, and hatred. And that is a really strong word. Um, you know, growing up, I, I remember my mother would always say like, don't say hate, you, you know, the, the only thing that you would hate is something like Hitler or the Nazis. I'm like, all right, that's really extreme. But I feel like we're kind of getting to that place where the feelings, the negative feelings that people have towards each other in the same group are so strong, you know, it's just so unbelievably powerful hatred brewing. Like you said, World War Three, I'd call it Civil War Two. I don't even yeah, I just, know if it's World War. I just don't know why it needs to be both extremes. It's, it's you either have to love somebody or absolutely hate them. I, right. I, I, right. I don't understand why you can't be somewhere in the middle where you say, you know what, for example, I don't love, I don't like this team, you know, but it doesn't mean you have to hate them. You could just say, I'm a, I'm a fan of this team and, and, you know, I don't have anything terrible against that team, but I hope my team wins. There's, that's so much better than saying, you know, I absolutely hate that team or I, I hate that politician or I hate that. It's just, I think it's such a bad word, but it's, it's where we are as a country. And like you said, for two guys that didn't want to talk politics, we did a good job. Yeah. Well, I can do it with sports, you know, as a Pats fan, um, who works with people from other states who are not Pats fans, that's like, you know, if you ask them and um, if you ask them what team they, they support and I'm in the room, they'll be like, oh yeah, whichever team isn't the Patriots. <laughs> well, I won't, right. I, I won't tell you that I'm a New York Giants fan then. That's, that's all right. I don't, I don't really care. Um, especially if we're not winning, but you know, <laughs> that's again, whole other show. Um, so Chris, what, when you, when you do the one-on-one -on -one coaching, then what is it that you're really focusing on? Is it, is it a way to bring more positivity in people's lives? Like what, what's the core thing that you see over and over again that people are struggling with? You know, we do a lot of individual coaching, but we also do a lot of coaching with, with teams and corporations. Actually, we worked with three college basketball programs this year and, wow. and ironic, ironically, um, it's not just the, the no quit and the positivity component. The two areas that we focus on as a company is self accountability and accountability. And I think those are the two things that we focus on. And obviously the coaching, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or a team or a company or a sales team or an actual, uh, college team is it goes in many different directions, but those are the two things that we find it really comes down to as far as a basis of these are our two fundamental beliefs is whatever you're looking to improve or tweak or change is it's a it's accountability and then on the individual side it's a self accountability and from there obviously we go into into so many different directions but one of the things that we we talk about is we're big people in quotes and i i have two one quote specifically that i literally say probably 10 times a day is it's positive anything is better than negative nothing and that's Albert Hubbard who said that many, many years ago. But that's literally a basis of what we believe in is whatever you're looking to do, improve or and change, is if you do it with a positive mindset, you're going to be so much more likely to accomplish it. Now, it doesn't mean that all you have to do is have a positive mindset and you'll accomplish it. But I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what obstacle hits you. If you approach it from a positive perspective as opposed to a negative perspective, you have such a higher chance of accomplishing whatever it is. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I want to go back to this accountability point. That's almost a way to force mindfulness and not just having that sort of, you know, we were talking about at the beginning, like this mindless way of, of kind of meandering through life without even realizing it. If you're accountable to yourself, that means you have to be, pay, you have to be paying attention to what you're doing, why you're doing it, whether you've done it, how you've done it. 
it, it's like, you know, if you keep yourself focused on what you're trying to achieve, inherently you break that cycle of mindlessness. Is that what you find? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I'll just read, read one thing is, is what we talk about quite often is, is accountability. And, and it's interesting is one of the first slides I show when I speak or if I'm presenting or coaching one-on-one or with the team is, is I bring up Webster's dictionary, which defines accountability as a state of being accountable, liable, or answerable, an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. And what I find is that it's a really, really simple definition. It's simple to read. It's simple to understand. But when we take a step further is it's not easy to do. It's not easy to hold yourself accountable. And the self-accountability piece is it's really hard, but so important to hold yourself to a higher level of accountability than anybody else holds you to. So for example, if you were my sales manager and you held me to a higher level of accountability than I held myself to, that might work. We might get a big sale or a big account here or there. But the reality is in the long run, it's not going to be a successful relationship or business. So we take it a step further when, when whatever we're discussing with that individual or company or team and say, what are you looking to achieve? Or what is your ultimate goal? Or what is your area of improvement? And then on the individual side is a lot of times we work with individual clients. It could be people looking for a job change or looking to start their new entrepreneur venture. And we'll break it down to the different steps of accountability and really dig deep to say, okay, if you want to accomplish A, B, or C or make this change, what are the steps you're going to need to do? And we define three A's of accountability, which are action, application, and attitude. And we always get asked, and I always get asked, if I had to only pick one of those, what is the most important one? And I say, hands down, it's, it's action. Because you, at the end of the day, no matter what you're looking to accomplish or achieve, you have to take action. I thought you were going to say attitude. <laughs> no, and it's, and it's interesting because because you could have the best attitude, but if you take little to no action, you're not going to accomplish it as opposed to if if you have an okay attitude or a little bit higher than a mediocre attitude, but you take a massive amount of action, the likelihood of you accomplishing it are going to be are going to be more. Now, they're all three unbelievably important and and when we're working with people in teams and companies, we focus on all three of them and the best of the best, whether it's companies, corporations, they have all three of those. And to, because you're, you're a Pats fan, um, I will tell you that I'm a huge fan of successful sports and franchises. And I believe that when you look at the Patriots, they, they use those three A's and they take it to an entirely new level, which is why they've been so successful for such a long time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as soon as I said attitude and, and you gave the example or, or the discussion of why it's, it's not as simple as that as I'm thinking of a guy who's got, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Just, you know, great all around guy, terrible performer at his job. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, it, and it's largely because he's not actually following through and, and doing what he needs to do in his core job. And so that's where I was like, all right, I get that. The reality is for those people who are trying to force it down to one thing, that's, that's not, that's not the answer. Like we, we try to be reductionist with so many things. We try to look for that one answer because we want it quick and easy and straightforward, but that's not life. So for anyone who's trying to figure out like which one is it, it's not one, it's the interplay of the three. Because if you got great action, but you're super negative, eventually that's going to peter out. Yep. You, know, you, you got you to bring them all to the table. And what do you mean with application? It's, that's a good question. It, it's We find that it's an interesting word, but... A lot of times people don't apply certain things to them. So they'll listen to something, they'll read something, but they don't apply it to their specific 
area. So whether uh, it's reading every day or it's going through the process. And I think it's such an easy concept, but when you think about it, it's, it's difficult to apply whatever it is that you need to do, whether it's learning, improving, putting more time in the gym, you know, reading that article about, you know, better workout, but then you don't apply it really, you know, you're not going to get the full results. And one of the things we, we tie all three of those back together is to achieve the ultimate resu- results that you're looking for or the ultimate goal or making that, that huge change, like you said before, is you need to have all three of them. Now, the reality is if you yourself have those three attributes, typically one or two, you're going to be better in, but you need to have all three of them moving in the same direction because if they're not, it's like a three-wheeler with wheels going in a different direction. Eventually, you know, you're going to have an issue. Yeah. So is, um, as you're describing application, I'm kind of wondering, is it hypocrisy if you don't, if you don't have application or is that, that's just one form of not having it? I think it's one form of not having, and I think maybe more it's a extreme. Great, yeah, and it's a great question you asked, but I think also individually and with the team is is you know you you realize that some people really look at application and apply it, and some people don't, and then some people we call you know give a you know half effort. So I think it's it's definitely um it's definitely interesting, and when you look at it individually as well as with a team corporation, there's so many different areas that you can look at it, but it's really important to make sure that whatever it is you're doing, you really do apply it, not only overall, but in that day-to-day mission of what it is you're supposed to do each and every day to get to that level and whatever level of success or goal or objective that is for you. I think I heard you just say do a day. I I did. Do a (laughs) day. I'm going to take the plug. Um, Chris, what, what would you leave people with? What's the advice that people need to hear to get themselves going on, on not quitting and starting to this is going to sound weird, but starting to never give up on themselves, starting to stop giving up on themselves. No, it's, no it def, definitely doesn't sound weird. And I, I get it. I get asked quite, quite often is ironically, when you talk about do a day and, and obviously you were on my show and I love what that stands for is I think a lot of people look at, look at that big goal or that big objective. So let's say it's losing 50 pounds or it's getting out of debt, a hundred thousand dollars. And what happens is they look at that big goal and I think it becomes paralysis by analysis. So what I tell people to do is break it down into something you can start and do today. So what you can't do today is you can't all of a sudden have $100,000 just sitting in your bank account if you don't have it there. What right. you can't do is you can't lose 50 pounds in one workout. But what you can do is you can attack that workout today and say, you know what? I crushed that workout. I'm going to now eat healthy throughout that day. And we're big believers in doing one thing one specific thing each and every day that's going to get you closer to accomplishing your goal. So for those people that that are maybe used to giving up or haven't really taken the plunge, what we say to them is is you can have either your results or you can have your goals, but you can't have both. And I typically follow that up with is you can't you can't give excuses. You can't say I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to, you know, I failed this one other time. You have to say, "Okay, if I want to achieve this goal or if I want to lose 50 pounds, I can't go to McDonald's. I can't not work out at all. But what you can do is you can take one step today. So let's say you didn't have a good breakfast, but you said, you know what? I can have a good lunch and I can have a good dinner. And instead of jumping on Facebook for an hour or watching TV two hours, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go take a 15 or 20 minute walk. And we type, we try to look at specific things that our clients can do each and every day and start small and then always look to do a little bit more. And to your, to your concept of do a day is we break it down to doing 1% more each day. Mm. So for example, if you're lifting a certain amount of weight, let's say you're bench pressing 225 pounds, don't look to bench press 250 the next day. Look to add two and a half pounds 
and do at that point or look to add five pounds, you know, two and a half on each side. And that's more realistic. And I think that's one of the things we focus on is working with people is don't look at a huge, large goal. You want to have that goal, but then you want to break it down into bite-sized pieces that you can have that check off on your list where you say, wow, this has been a great week or it's been a great seven days. And one of the things we often talk about is once you have those little victories, all those little victories add up. And that's what gets to that ultimate victory down the road. Yeah, I, I obviously, um, I'm going to fully agree with that because that really ties into everything that I'm about. But if you, if, if you do the math on 1% more every day over the course of a week is compounded benefit and you're almost 10% better, you know, round, rounding error, but you're getting up towards 10% in one week. So for everyone who's like 1% every day, I you know, I don't want to go from 225 to 227.5. I want to go to 250. I don't want to go from 50 pounds to lose to 49.5 pounds to lose. You know, I, yep. want to, I want to make that progress. I want it right now. So you're not the one to help me. I'm going to go find someone else. And that we have such a desire for that instantaneous, no effort. You know, it's the same people who are saying, okay, you listed three things. What's the one? Which is the one of those three A's. <laughs> we need to just... Uh, step it down a notch and realize you're talking about investment in yourself in redefining your life for the rest of your days. I don't care how many days those are, but that's a big and fantastic thing. It's not a big, scary thing. It's a big and fantastic thing. Why wouldn't you want to put the work into it and see that progress bit by bit and take the journey for what it is as a growth process instead of wishing it away? Because there's you know, so much system that has to change within you that wishing it away and just being done with it is not going to evolve your mindset. You know, so it's so interesting you sit, you talk about that because we often work with a lot of sales teams. And one of the things we do really well is, is we'll reverse engineer a goal. But to your point about that 1% or 2%, one of the things we'll talk about with teams is what if, what if we could increase sales 1% every month? People say, oh, we could do that. But I said, no, no, let's, let's really think about this. Do you think as a group, whatever the numbers, let's just say it's $100,000. If I say to them, do you think this month we can increase sales by 1%? And they say yes. And then I say to them, okay, let's do that for the next, for this year. I said, do you realize that's a 12% increase? And when you break it down like that, people say, wow, that's doable 1% a month. And it looks very different than 12% for that year, but it's not. And then if you take it a step further, we said, what if we could aim for actually 2% each month. And when you break down the numbers, it comes out to 24% over that year. But if I said to you, Brian, give me 24% increase right now, the likelihood of you jumping on board and saying, oh, I got it, no problem, is probably slim to none. But if I said to you, Brian, let's aim right now to have this April, we'll have a 2% increase from the past month of March. You're probably gonna be able to grasp that. And then more importantly, is you're probably then going to put that into action. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to make this all about me, but I've got a story that's hitting me hard right now that I think is pretty relevant. Um, when I, I lived in China for summer in 1999 and at the time they really weren't using credit cards yet. And the government really wanted people to be using credit cards because it's such a, a, a powerful tool in fueling consumption. And they were trying to drive more domestic consumption to grow the economy. The problem is nobody had credit. Nobody knew about credit. Nobody liked credit. It was culturally out of sync with the values of the people. And, you know, if you look at other countries who have a ton of credit and, and high credit card usage, 
they've got 20, 30, 80 years of history behind getting to the, the penetration of credit card usage that they have right now. So the people slowly over time got more and more comfortable with it and it was more accepted in different places and people weren't mistrusting it and, you know, thinking that it wouldn't get them into this huge debt hole, although that kind of does happen to lots of people. You know, and, and in China, they were trying to do it overnight. And so unsurprisingly, it wasn't working. And they had to like force feed it. And they got there much faster than any other countries that had done it historically. But the government had a lot of failures for a few years just trying to force it down everyone's throat. I mean, they were like, remember driving down this or being in a cab and going down this major street. Um, all of the, the light posts, you know, the lamp posts along the side of the street had these flags, these banners on them with credit card ads, just the whole, I mean, miles of it, just to get people more comfortable with the idea because they were so desperate to get people comfortable with it and get them using it. But you can't just force feed instantaneous change at the systemic level. It's just not going to happen. And if you do, then you end up with, you know, the kind of financial ruin that we saw in 2008, you know, where it's like everything's being propped up by this unnatural rapid progression that the systems aren't really in place to support. Eventually, it's going to collapse. No, and I, I, I couldn't agree more in that, in that sense of, of the instantaneous. Nothing great has ever happened overnight instantaneously. And, and obviously, there are some things that happen instantaneously. But it goes back to something that I, I talk about often is if you look at people that win the lottery, typically such a high percentage of them, if you fast forward a few months under a year, they're actually in a worse off place than they were before that because all of a sudden, they go from whatever... In income they have or whatever financial issues or challenges to a million dollars or two million dollars and it hits them and it's instantaneous and it doesn't last. And I think your your point about, you know, you got to do it. It's got to be sustainable from for a month, you know, two months, a year, two years. And that's why I think different companies and teams and corporations, the really good ones realize you're not going to get six players on a team today and be undefeated and never lose. You're going to get those six players. You're going to have ups and downs and you're going to have to you know, find different guys or, or girls to fit different roles. But to be consistent over time, you need to be looking at the big picture and then reverse engineer and say, okay, we need to be here this month and we need to be there next month. And, and if you look at teams and corporations that are successful, that's what they do over the history of their company organization or um, team foundation. Yeah. I was, uh, I was just watching this new show on CNBC um, who's not a sponsor. I'm not plugging them, but A-Rod's got a show on there that's basically, he goes around to um, pro athletes retired, you know, out of their game uh, who are basically in financial ruin. And the first, the first episode is with Joe Smith, who was in 1995, 19 years old, left University of Maryland as a number one draft pick in the NBA. Um, I think he went to Sacramento and he earned $61 million over the course of his 11-year career, and he has $3,000 in the bank now, and he is in humongous amounts of debt and just total financial ruin. And, you know, that's exactly this lottery example you're talking about. You know, he went from zero to, not zero to 100, but zero to well beyond that, and you hear him talking about how he lost the money. You know, the cars that he bought, the houses as he went to different teams, he'd buy a new house, and then he'd change teams and he'd sell it at a loss because he had to get out of it. And just little by little, you know, it all got wasted away. And of course, he's paying his manager and his agent and all that taxes. Um, but $61 million in 11 years, you know, that's, that's 
right around six million bucks a year. I think anyone who doesn't have that kind of money is like, how do you end up broke? But it's it's that instantaneous instantaneousness of it without changing the underlying systems that it's the exact lottery example you gave. And and he was pretty destitute. And, you know, of course, A-Rod saved the day and helped turn him around. And now he's thriving again, but um, makes for good TV. No, it's interesting. Um, Antoine Walker, who was a very successful NBA yeah. player, I believe he won a I know he won an NCAA championship and a NBA championship. I believe he was also on a gold medal U.S. basketball team, but he was unbelievably successful, and he was in the same situation as Joe Smith. He was even playing in less than the D League and now the G League and making you know $1,000 a week or something, and he, he went into some details. I saw a special similar to like a 30 for 30 or E3, mm. E60, and it's just amazing how you get from playing in high school and then college and then NBA, and, and I don't, don't quote me on it, but I believe – Antoine Walker made close to a hundred million during his, his career. I would and it's imagine. Just, I mean, he was it's big. Just, it's just sad when, but it's like you said, it's instantaneous. And we've done some work in the financial world with some, some athletes. And it's amazing that the ones that take lower amounts of money, you know, 5 million, 10 million, and they turn it into 20, 30, 40, because they took the time, not overnight, but over a month, two months, five months, listening to advisors, listening to other people and, and getting back to my initial point, getting the right people on their team and in their corner to say, okay, what I know really well is how to play basketball. What I don't know really well is taxes and write-offs and how do I invest. And I think some of the best athletes, entertainers, musicians, they're the ones that have the best team next to them, behind them, and in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of come full circle, A, on talking about random things that seemingly have nothing to do with this, like politics, but B, um, getting off the bus. You know, it's, it's the ones who have the wrong people on the bus giving them the wrong advice, taking advantage, not being aligned to what their real goals need to be and where their life needs to go and not truly helping them achieve that. You got to get those folks off and get the right people on or you're going to end up, you know, on a show with A-Rod, <laughs> which I guess wouldn't be so bad. But um, man, before we go any down any other rabbit holes, Chris, I should, uh, I should try to wrap things up. What What's your deal today? What's, uh, what are you working on that's exciting you? And where can people find out all about what you're doing with No Quit Living? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So uh, the best, easiest way is just our website, which is noquitliving.com, where we also have a Facebook page and an Instagram all under the same No Quit Living name. And then our podcast, which is just on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio, you can just search No Quit Living. But one thing just want to mention briefly is a good friend of mine, Dana, and I are working on something that's kind of neat. It's a company called Pathway, the number two positivity. And we connected at a speaking event I actually did in January. And we just connected on a couple different fronts. And basically our, our MO and how and why we do things were kind of aligned and we connected. And she was the one who actually came up with the, with the name. But then we just threw some ideas around and, and we feel that it, it just fits naturally with some of the stuff I'm doing with No Quit Living and some of the stuff she's doing with with another company that she has. But but the premise behind it is similar to the No Quit Living component is with the negativity that's out there. So we look at it again, kind of play on words, but pathway to positivity is is we feel and and I, I strongly believe that, like I said, positive anything is better than negative nothing, the quote I shared. And it doesn't mean in any way, shape or form that you're gonna be successful or nor does it guarantee success. But I firmly 1000% believe that if you take a positive attitude, each and everything you do, 
in life each and every single day, whether it's family, professional, personal, you will have a much such a higher chance of of probability of not only succeeding but getting past. And and people can find that uh, we have a Facebook page and then just the website pathway number two positivity dot com. Wow, I love what that's about. That's uh, that is so very very true. So good luck with building that effort even more. That's that's exciting. I love all the positivity that you're pushing because that's that's the force that we need in today's society. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I just, I, I hope that people go out, look at the message, take it in. Cause if you bring that into your life, there's no question things will start to happen in a much greater way. So that's exciting. So no quit pathway, the number two positivity.com. And of course, listen to the podcast, download it, subscribe, review it on iTunes and, and, any other platforms. Um, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. And you've had some huge guests on like, uh, Brian Falchuk, you know, he's, he's really good, but aside from him, (laughs) (laughs) you've, you've, no, you've had, uh, I mean, I saw you had Tucker Max on, like you've had some pretty big names on there and people who have been through some serious stuff, um, and had those really strong, no quit moments and they're living and they're living in a big way and they're doing it in a way that tries to help others and brings more positivity to the world. So best of luck with all of that. No, I appreciate it. And, and a plug to you is is when this comes out, they'll have to go back and look at it. But you'll uh, they need to check out your episode on the No Quit Living podcast as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'll link to that um, with and and the show in general on uh, on the on the show notes for this episode. Um, Chris, I can't thank you enough for being on. And uh, all this positivity, people need to take that and remember that today is a new day. And go out and do it. There you go. Awesome, man. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, my man. Christopher J. Worth. Pretty good stuff, huh? It's definitely uh, it's definitely awesome to hear how he's pushed forward with this whole no quit living idea that he's got. I still I love that title, love that name. And you can hear where, you know, he's very focused on what you surround yourself with. The values, the people, the goals, the challenges, all of it. You know, all of it contributes to the life that you live and the life that you have to not quit on living. Really, really important. So I'm really psyched to have had Chris on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And you can always learn more at doadaybook.com or brianfalchuk.com. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And well, I guess that's probably it, but it's at Brian Falchuk. And you can learn more about Do A Day. You can get the book. You can get more articles and, and all kinds of stuff I've been putting out there at doadaybook.com. Check it out. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to this podcast. You have more guests like Chris and uh, take some more inspiration on a regular basis. I'm going to keep putting out these episodes no matter what. So you might as well subscribe and take in the content. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. It means a lot. It helps grow the show, helps get the word out. So that means the world to me. And with that, I want to thank everyone for joining in, tuning in today, and go out and do it because today is a new day.